This episode of the NRL Sunday Session Podcast is brought to you by Best and Less. Support your team in finals with NRL merchandise for spring and summer across the whole family, including polos, tees, tanks, caps and beach towels. Available now in selected stores and at bestandless.com.au. Welcome back to the Sunday session on NRL.com. My name is Chris Kennedy. Kenny Scott is with me as always. Kenny, finals week two, done and dusted, as well as the second round of the NRLW. Thank you for being here once again. Uh, it is always a pleasure, CK. Can't wait. And my very great privilege to welcome back for the second time this year, former Jillaroo and Channel 9 expert Alana Ferguson. Alana, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to talk about finals, Woody. What a week. There's been some uh, some terrific games once again. Let's start off with the Eels and the Rabbitohs. 24-38, uh, South eventually prevailed. Alana, the Eels started magnificently but couldn't quite stay with them for the full 80 minutes. Yeah, I thought the Eels were really strong. They showed signs of how they were playing in the beginning of the year, to be honest. But for me, it was the, the defence that clocked off. I still saw great signs in attack for the Eels in that second 40. But South Sydney, the way that they handled that second 40 minutes, just ultimate professionals. I thought their halves, um, Walker and Reynolds, did a really great job at just managing that. They never looked rushed. They didn't look panicked. And they just waited for those opportunities. And we saw them come up. We saw that space and just, I guess, lapses in defence from the Eels, and they just took full advantage of it. Damian Cook was wow. something else last night. He was so great to watch. His lightning speed and just energy in and around the footy. Yeah, they put a really incredible 40-minute performance in towards that back end of the game. Absolutely. Kenny, I was out there, and for me, there was sort of a sense of inevitability about it. Uh, was that the way you saw it? No, I, I, yeah, I don't think... I mean, like, as you said, Souths were favourites, but there were points in that game where I definitely think the result, the result could have gone either way. That, that period where Clint Gutherson absolutely dominated the whole game. So he picked, picked Parramatta up and dragged them right into, the, uh, right into the lead to get them to 18-8. At that point, I genuinely thought Parramatta, like they were, they were going to do this because the momentum was with them. They were energetic. And Souths South didn't look like they were panicked at all, but um, they just looked like they couldn't match them for, for, for energy. And, uh, uh, you know, Clint Gutherson, you know, he's the inspirational um, fan favourite captain of that team. And he definitely um, did all he could to, to get them over the line there. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to the result of that game, um, South, Sydney's, South Sydney halves didn't panic, um, got the job done, knew that, uh, you know, it was an 80-minute game to, to use a cliche and it's a game of two halves, et cetera, et cetera. And they knew that if they'd stuck to their game plan, uh, the result would follow, and it did. And I think, um, yeah, South Sydney, they're a great team. They've really timed their run well, um, and it is going to be a classic matchup next week. Alana, there was a point in the second half. Uh, South were just starting to assert themselves on the game. Parramatta had a penalty kick to go from 18-20 up to 20-all. Mitch Moses, he hit the post. The ball ricocheted out wide. South Sydney got their first, scored a couple of plays later. Can you think of a bigger turning point in a game any time recently? God, no, that was the moment, wasn't it? And if Mitch Moses gets that kick and they level the score, the game completely changes. So they're those moments in rugby league that you either love or you hate. It definitely depends uh, who you're going for in the match. But, yeah, that certainly opened the game up for South Sydney. I thought from that point onwards, the way that the Eels defended, they made South Sydney look like magicians. And they're, they're brilliant at producing that great football, but just the opportunities that they were just able to give them and those lapses in defence... South Sydney just took it in their stride. They had so much confidence from that turning point, that little momentum shift. Well, it wasn't little. It was huge, let's, well, yeah. let's be honest. But, um, yeah, from then on, they were just full steam ahead. And 
when South Sydney play with confidence and they just they take it to another level and it's exactly what they did. In attack, you just don't know what they're going to do. They've got players pushing everywhere. That energy that you spoke about before that may have lacked in the first 40 minutes or so at times, that sparked. And that's when South Sydney are at their most dangerous point. And, yeah, I, I think that was all a result of Mitch Moses probably not getting those two points and not levelling the scores. The Eels obviously had some adversity to deal with. Both of their wingers, uh, who they've had pretty much all season, Blake Ferguson and Mike Acevo, out with respective knee injuries. I thought they handled that pretty well. George Jennings, um, just his second game for Parramatta this year, obviously was on loan to the Warriors for a bit. I thought he was strong. Hey, Dunster on debut, uh, an early error, but recovered well. His teammates uh, got around him. Um, obviously, the news with Michael Jennings uh, on the day of the game, no less out with a, um, a provisional ban would have rattled them, but um, I thought, uh, Brad Takarangi and Wanga Blake both handled their roles in the centres pretty well as well. Um, like uh, you touched on earlier, I thought they were a little bit more like they were at the start of the year. Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo brought plenty of energy, but not quite enough in the end. And South Sydney go through to a preliminary final against the Panthers. Um, the previous game, Friday night, the Roosters and the Raiders, I was out at this one as well. Absolute cracker of a game, Alana. The um, the Raiders bang, bang, bang to start with. I thought the... Um, the Roosters were shot to bits, but um, like a champion team, they, they dragged themselves back into the contest but couldn't quite get it done against the Raiders. Yeah, I thought the middles for the Raiders, I was at the game too, just watching the speed that they play with in the middle of the field, they just, they absolutely stuck it to the Roosters. Papali, Tarpany, Hudson, Young as well. The way that they were playing was absolutely brilliant. But you're right, after half time, they, I think they, the two teams were going head-to-head for about, 17 minutes, uh, Raiders were up quite comfortably, but then Roosters got on the board. But for me, the way that the Raiders handled the game after the Roosters scored those points, those individual individual efforts, try-saving tackles, I thought that spoke volumes for the way that the Raiders are going to continue to take on next week and then potentially the grand final. The fight that they showed and the way that they just came together and stood up in those huge moments, that was really impressive. Yeah, you're right. One of the other journos in the box at the end of the game said to me, you know, who do you think was Canberra's best player? And I was like, I really don't know. The, the three you just said, Papali, Tarpany um, and Hudson Young, phenomenal in the middle. I thought Jack Whiten and George Williams in the halves, chance equal clock stat at the back with almost 300 metres and all the try saves. They had some, uh, they didn't have a bad player, but they had a lot of really, really good players as well. Um, Kenny Scott, are we are we talking about a dynasty crumbling, or can can you say a dynasty <laughs> crumbles when uh, the team still, you know, finishes in the top four and gets to the second week of the finals? Uh, a, a crumbling dynasty is definitely um, far too strong language for this. This was a like the Roosters are an amazing team. They've been one of the form teams all year. They on on another day they they easily could have won this this game. It's just that the Raiders. Um, put in an extra special performance and uh, the Roosters quite couldn't match them for various reasons. The Roosters have such a strong team, such an amazingly strong team. There is no way that this, they're not going to perform at a similar level next year and maybe even go another step further. But um, they were like, they said in the TV commentary, and I think it's, it's been said many times before, the Roosters won't ever let you, won't ever give you the win. You're going to have to come up and take it off them. Um, Cause even though this in this game, it seemed to me that, that the Raiders were so dominant for such long periods, but the Roosters were still always in the fight. It never looked like the Roosters were written off and it went right down to like the final minute to get a result. It was only a four-point margin in the end. The Roosters just, whether it's through, you know, um, team grit or just flashes of brilliance from individual players, they're always, you know, they're always up there. They're, they're just such a great team, which is why, you know, why I get so frustrated 
um, for their sustained success for so long because, um, you know, I'd like it to be spread around a fair bit. But uh, no, definitely not. This Roosters team will be up for the fight for a long, long time. Was the um, the last involvement in the NRL? Uh, we think for a few players, we know certainly for Mitchell Orbison, it was um, Alana three hundred and three. I think games he, he finished up with an absolute warrior, a one club man, one of those guys that everyone loves playing with. Um, you know his his final appearance in the NRL, but um, he'll leave a, a legacy for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, he's such a team player, and you and you know how good. Not even being in camp with them, but how good of a teammate he really is when you hear the players alongside him speak about Mitch Orbison and his coach and their faces light up when they speak about him. So that, that's just great footy to watch, whether it be those personal stories on the sideline um, that come out or even just the way that he approaches the game and the way that he puts his body on the line for his teammates. A, a, an incredible career and he should be proud of the way that he went out. I thought he had a great final season and they made it really far. The Roosters, we, had, we set such high standards for them and rightly so, but I thought that they had a, a great campaign and they finished really well. The game could have changed. Again, like another moment in that game, if Josh Morris wasn't taken out of the sideline by Nickel Kogstad, that puts them in front. They're then leading the game and anything happens. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that he had uh, an incredible final year. The Roosters did too. They should all be proud and they'll come back next year bigger and better again. And yeah, it was a great season for the Roosters. We just high, we just hold such high expectations for them. Absolutely. The final, um, you know, he didn't even play in the game, but Ryan Hall headed back to the Northern Hemisphere. Didn't quite see as, uh, as much of him as I, I would have liked. One of the most dominant wingers um, of his generation. We got him at the, the tail end of his career, but terrific player, terrific fellow. Hope he, um, you know, wish him well for whatever the future holds um, back in the Northern Hemisphere. And Kenny, Sonny Bill Williams, we think... We think he's done in the NRL, uh, theoretically uh, headed back to Toronto uh, to take up the, the final year of his deal there, but uh, still not quite sure what's happening with him. But whatever it is, he um, he showed he's, he's still up for it and, and showed his champion qualities in that little glimpse of him we got in those last few weeks. It's, it's, it's quite amazing how um, Sonny Bill always manages to defy uh, his critics. So the last couple of weeks in the, um, you know, in the, the rugby league media, there's been stories of, um, you know, Sonny Bill's obviously passed it. This is not the Sonny Bill that we, that we once, that we once knew he's, he's, you know, he's, he's not the player that we needed him to be. And then, um, which all of it, in my opinion is not true, but in this game, he, sh- he showed his true class. Like when it, when he needed to, to, um, you know, to put on the tackle or to make the, make the hit up or to, to force an offload to get the, to get um, advantage for the roosters. He did it. He, he was there. He was, um, such a necessary uh, part of that of that really close game, and then the way the players are all reacted to him after the game, especially players on the other on the other team as well. When he came and interrupted Charles Nickel Clockstad's um, post match interview, and and CNK's like beaming like a schoolboy because Sonny Bill is is is, is standing <laughs> right next to him. Like that was it's, it's, it just shows the the aura outside of what he does on the field, which I think is still spectacular. Um, the aura that he brings with him, whether it's, uh, you know, it's, it's training, whether it's culture, whether all that sort of stuff shows that he still, he still has value. Um, I think that value is probably better invested in the Toronto Wolfpack, but uh, if they're not around anymore, um, you know, stay in the NRL, Sonny, why not? 
Why not? Indeed, we um, yeah, we, we're not sure what the future holds, but I'm sure it'll be uh, a success at whatever he, he decides to turn his hand to next. The um, Roosters bow out. The Raiders go through to a prelim against the Storm. I absolutely cannot wait um, to see that one next weekend. There are another two games on the weekend. Alana are uh, both NRLW games. I don't even know where to start with all this. Um, <laughs> we, we've effectively got two dead rubbers next weekend. The Broncos and the Roosters both unbeaten. The, the Warriors and Dragons both winless. So we've already got our, our grand final after two rounds, which is unusual. But I think what I wanted to talk about first um, was the brutal game between the Dragons and the Broncos on Saturday afternoon. I don't know if I can recall a game, rep level, club level, you know, amateur level, men's, women's, what have you, with so many injuries. Yeah, it was really hard to watch, wasn't it? That second 30 minutes, they just kept falling down like flies. It was it was really uncomfortable. I thought the way yeah. that they that it was harder for the Dragons to handle the lack of momentum, I think, uh, during that game. There were so many stoppages. We were actually saying during commentary that second game, because that was the second game the Roosters and Warriors played earlier in the morning, but that second game went for 17 minutes longer. And that's as yeah. a result of how many injuries they were. So that was really hard to watch, especially when you've got those connections with the players on the field and you know yeah. them and they're such great people. Devastating signs to watch. But I thought the first 30 minutes of that game where there weren't too many disruptions was a really high-quality, brilliant game of footy to watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to dwell on the injuries, but um, like you said, a lot of these players are your former teammates. A lot of them finished the game with injuries. You know, it's the second week in a row that, that Jess Sergis has played through an ankle injury. I, I saw her at Bankwest um, leaving, and, and she wasn't in crutches, which was good to see. But, um, you know, distressing scenes with, you know, Isabel Kelly in, in a lot of pain. What did you make of that that challenge from Amber Hall? I, I don't know if the, the hair pull was necessarily intentional when you're just trying to grab someone from behind you sort of get a handful of you know jersey or hair I don't want to say that's um intentional but the, the way she came down at her ankle as well it didn't look good at all no it didn't it was really hard really hard to watch that one especially on Izzy look that's why I always braided my hair don't give yeah. him any of those opportunities Izzy is a really quick runner and her hair was going everywhere so I thought that that aspect of it was probably just unlucky but the way that she landed on Isabel was pretty tragic. It was it was really awful. It's, it was Isabel was put in that position that she couldn't save herself from. So I, I guess they're the moments that are really hard. It's nothing to do with her technique or the way that she was taking the ball to the line or getting ready for that contact. She had absolutely no say in the outcome of that. So that was really hard to watch. And unfortunately, it doesn't look good um, for Isabel yeah. Kelly. Kezi Apps as well. She's yep. she's come out with a devastating knee injury. Um, I think she's going for scans today, but um, hopefully it's not the dreaded ACL injury because that would be devastating again for Kez. But you touched on Jess Sergis with her ankle. She heard it last week and I spoke to her. I caught up with Jess Sergis just before the game. Uh, good mates with Jess. She wasn't 100% heading into that game. It did get re-injured. She said, Fergo, I'm still going to play. It's good enough. I've got enough in me to play. And I think that's the fight that we'll continue to see from Jess Serger. She is absolutely tough as nails. And all the, all the women are, to be completely honest with you. You can see, by the way, you know, they take the line on and they just try to continually brush off those little knocks and bruises. Um, her ankle is bad. I have no doubt that if it was a club game or if it was a game of any lesser importance, she would not be allowed to play. But the fact that, they, you know, she... She has some chance at getting a 
her body out there and just staying and fighting through it, she'll continue to be there. She'll, she'll hobble and still put her body on the line. You'll still see her put on those massive hits and run whenever she can. Well, yeah, and it's such a short season as well. You've got three, you know, round games and then the, the final. It's, you know, you don't really – a short-term injury, you know, quote-unquote, is effectively a season ender. In a lot of cases, we've already seen, you know, Bovetti Welsh tweak a hammy in the first game, and that's potentially her entire campaign done. And, you know, Kezi, you touched on, uh, you know, early reports are an MCL rather than ACL. We certainly hope it's not the dreaded ACL. It's something you unfortunately know way more about than you'd like to. But, um, you know, even an, an MCL would be the end of her campaign. Pain, which would be a, a horrible result. Even your former halves partner, Maddie Studden, who we had, the pod, had on the podcast last week, appeared to be playing on through an injury. Um, so again, a player came down on her ankle, so hopefully she's okay for the um, the next game. But yeah, it was a, a brutal game. But let's talk about some actual footy because there, there were two games played. They were both terrific contests. Like I said, the um, we've got winless teams and unbeaten teams. Um, the Broncos and the Roosters um, this year, just the teams to beat. Yeah, absolutely. The Broncos... I love the way that they're playing footy at the moment. Their defence is as good as it gets. I think they've definitely sent the be- set the benchmark over the past couple of years, but they've continued to do this uh, in their first two weeks of this season as well. They're just their structures in their defence, the way that they support one another and the way that they move, really solid. I didn't expect any less for them, to be completely honest, but their attack has impressed me so much. So out there at the moment, they're playing with three halves. They've got Racine McGregor wearing number six and then Taryn Aitken and Ali Briggenshaw. Ali Briggenshaw is playing at lock, but more so a half than a lock. I know that we've got a lot of lock ball playing forwards in the game and especially in NRL that we see, but the way that uh, Ali Briggenshaw is playing lock, it is definitely more of a number seven jersey. And then Taryn Aitken, throw that in. I thought that's what completely rattled the Dragons on the weekend because their attack was just coming from so many different points on the field and they can all attack really well. It's, it's hard to set them apart. Racing McGregor is probably more of a uh, aggressive running half, but then between Ali and Taryn, it's really hard to split them just the way that they muster up that attack and they've got their runners coming off them and they're really willing to take the line on first. So they're going to be dangerous. They're at, at the start of the season, I knew that they would be the benchmark and I knew that they would be dangerous, but I didn't realise how dangerous they would be just having so much variety and so many different attacking options because then you throw in the players that you have off the back of them running those mm. holes and running out the back. It's, they're incredible. They're definitely the team to stop at the moment. Absolutely. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw the, the late team list and saw Ellie Briggenshaw, the best number seven in the game, moved to lock. But uh, Taryn Aitken, who you touched on, I think tr- three tri assists in the, the first round. So no shortage of, um, of ball playing skills in that side. They're uh, a huge threat. And then you throw in up front. Um, I mean, Millie Boyle was close to the best forward in the game already last year, but she hasn't missed a beat. There. And, you know, Chelsea Lenarduzzi, uh, just threats everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke to Ali just touching on the halves um, after that game because I didn't get to catch up with her last week. There was a little bit happening. And I just, I asked her about, you know, the decision, whose decision was it to put you in lock and what's training been like? Because I find that really interesting. Being a half myself, having three people calling the shots, that could be really tricky. Mm. Almost too many voices and too much happening and the organisation part of it um, almost could be too overwhelming. But it, it, it's not the case. It, well, Ali actually told me it wasn't her decision. It was the coach's idea and they did speak about it. But what it's, what it's done to Ali and Taryn, which we saw, she, 
uh, the hand that she had in so many of their try assists, it's freed them both up because they now have that space and that time to make those decisions. Instead of playing the game in two halves, they play in thirds and they just control those different aspects of the field. But it's also really brilliant when they do link up. And then you throw in players like Millie Boyle, who whether she's running the decoy run or if she's just push supporting or it, it doesn't matter how she plays, they're very dangerous. So they're very fortunate the way that the Broncos, I guess, line up in attack. But then those players that they have running off the ball players, they're the ones that make all the difference because they're not jogging and doing, you know, a half-hearted a half job. They're committing that defensive line and they're the reason that those ball players do have that extra little bit of time and can come up with those special combinations. We're used to seeing the, the Broncos being dominant in the, the history of this competition, but the Roosters were very disappointing last year. They've they've just sprung out of the blocks. Um, you know, they brought in Charlotte Kaslick, who, you know, I think we all knew what a great athlete she was, but has you know, been a phenomenon and, and slotted into that team a lot quicker than I think almost anyone outside of that environment um, expected it to. Um, you know, Hannah Southwell, you know, one of the best middles in the, the game at the moment. Um, you know, Jamie Feeney doing a, a great job um, in a, a short period of time, you know, Sahara Tamara had a phenomenal game um, in the halves. Again, they're, they're, they've just gone from being sort of, you know, not great to, to really great in a, a season's time. Yeah, Fiends is really good at that. Fiends, Jamie Feeney, their coach, he loves that team environment. And I guess he's been involved with Women's Rugby League in the Blues and the Jillaroos. And that's something that you, I guess, get good at and have as a part of your repertoire is bringing those players in from different areas in a smaller amount of time and being able to create that that culture and the belief and the respect for the person next to you to be able to work together. And I think that's the biggest thing that Fiends has contributed to the Roosters this year. He's got a great footy brain. I don't want to take any of that away from him, but just the way that those women have been able to come together because, as you said, they have been disappointing in the past and they've always had those big-name players and plenty of potential. But the way that they've come together this season has been probably the most impressive aspect. And as a fan of the game watching, it's what we've wanted to see for the last couple of years. And I just... I'm so glad that they have been able to put it together because the footy that they produce is it's pretty to watch. It's really great. They, their combinations are special. Corbin McGregor is doing an exceptional job playing 5'8". She's used to being in the centre. She's played a little bit of fullback, but I think her new role playing at 5'8", and, and given that leadership role of being a captain as well, she's uh, playing above and beyond anything that we've seen before. You touched on Zahara Tamara. Her first game in round one I thought was pretty shaky. I thought there were a lot of nerves and she didn't have any, uh, too many great touches. But just her presence on the field yesterday, the way that she came out, she seemed a lot more calm and I guess at home. And it's really tricky to try yeah. and create to create that feeling within people when they are rushed together so last minute. They only had a couple of weeks of preparation. But I thought the first run for Zahara Tamara was really important and the way that she handled and controlled the game yesterday, we'll continue to see that play out next week and also in the grand final. She just looked at home. She had the footy on a string when she was kicking the ball and she took the line on and just seemed so much more relaxed and just like the real, the, the way that she'd usually approach and play a game of footy. That was really pleasing to see. 
Yeah, they're both interesting uh, cases called McGregor and Zahara tomorrow. I was actually going to ask you about Corbin uh, before you brought it up because um, used to seeing her probably mostly in the centres, certainly have seen her play fullback before. The, the game she played last week um, when Charlotte Kaslick was in the halves, it almost felt like they were sort of swapping a bit and she was she was doing a really good job of making um, Charlotte Kaslick's job easier for her, which I guess is is you know, proper leadership and real captaincy kind of material. And then obviously with both Eddie Welsh going out, Kaslik's gone to fullback and she's playing full-time in the halves. But, you know, just her, her captaincy, her presence, her, her leadership, it's really sort of grown in the last couple of years. Sure has. It speaks volumes for the person that Corbin is as well. She's a genuinely beautiful person and really team-oriented person. I think Charlotte Kaslik coming in the team, as you can imagine, she's a really high-profile athlete. She's incredible at what she does, and she's a great footy player. But she was out of her element coming in and playing rugby league. And I spoke to Charlie quite a bit in the lead-up. She was nervous, and rightly so. She's playing a new sport on the big stage from get-go, and every, all eyes were on her. Um, I also spoke to Corbin McGregor uh, before they played any of their games and just said to Corbs, you know, she is a little bit nervous, but you're the person that can make this outcome the best possible for the team and she knew that and that's the sort of person that Corbin is that there was I guess um, a little bit of competition because it was thrown up in the air will Charlotte play center will she play 5-8 and they're the two positions that Corbin has always played and and was always going to be put up for for this competition as well so there were there was always going to be two ways that I guess Corbin could have looked at it um, you know I want to play for whatever the position was but Corbin you know I want to play 5-8 she can play in the centers this is my team this is my spot she doesn't she was never going to do that and that's just mm. the person that Corbin is what's the best for my team and the way that they played in week one I thought Jamie Feeney again their coach did a really great job at introducing Charlotte Kaslick to rugby league and the combination on the field that Charlotte and, and Corbin had was brilliant. Corbs actually started in 5'8 and just fed the ball to Charlotte Kaslick so that she could get a feel for the game, have a couple of tough carries. And then as fatigue sort of set in and the opportunities started to come up, you're right, they did. They rotated and they switched around a little bit and Charlotte was able to get in the middle a little bit more and take advantage of that space. So it's a real credit not only to Jamie Feeney, but as you said, to... Corbin McGregor to be able to take that on and really introduce and do the best possible thing for the team, not for Corbin. Possibly the best thing for Corbin might have been to wear 5'8 and be involved as, as much as possible, but she did the best thing for the team and, and that played out. Unfortunately, Bo, Betty Welsh did get that injury and we saw um, Charlotte Kazakh move to fullback, which was a great move, I think. Mm. But yeah, Corbs was always going to do the best possible thing for the team and she, the, I thought that Corbin is responsible for um, the brilliant game that Charlotte Kaslick had on debut. Mm. Just the last question before we wrap it up. Um, I talked uh, just before about we've basically got dead rubbers next weekend. We, we know what the grand final is going to be. We've got the Dragons take on the Warriors. The, the loser is going to finish last and the winner at least finishes the season um, with a, a win, which they're both going to be desperate for. The Roosters uh, take on the Broncos. They've both qualified for the grand final, but the, the winner obviously gets the, the carrot of you know bragging rights of, of finishing top. What do you foresee for these two games pending injury obviously that the dragons and broncos might be struggling a bit but um do you see you know a bit of experimentation potentially for the roosters and the broncos do you see some desperation for the the dragons and the warriors i think for the grand final preview the roosters and the broncos they'll be wanting to get things right 
So I don't think there'll be too much experimentation because, as you said, it's a really short season. They haven't been together for too long. So potentially if it was an extended season, they'd been playing together all year and they'd have those combinations, then there might have been opportunity to experiment. But I think what they really need to do now, the Broncos, I can't see them changing. Their attack worked brilliantly with the three halves and their forwards and everyone else is just playing a brilliant game. There could potentially be a little bit more room to move for the Roosters and try and figure out where everyone is best suited. But I don't see that happening just given that they've only got one week to make it perfect. So I spoke to Bovetti Welsh, who was their fullback in round one and did hurt, um, did get that hammy injury. She's going to get fitness tested. So she's not um, definitely ruled out. So I guess her injury could determine or could be a big factor to determine where Charlotte Kaslick plays. That's the biggest question mark around the team for me. Will, will Charlotte Kaslick be at fullback or will she be back out in the centres and 5'8 rotating with Corbin McGregor? But I think that all, that all just come back to Bo Betty Welsh's injury and whether or not she gets a start. If Bo is scratched and she's not going to be um, running that match, I think the smartest way to approach the game would be to keep the same lineup as what we saw this week and just build and work on those combinations. It was Charlotte's second game of rugby league yeah. and first at fullback and the roles that you have to take on at fullback, not only in attack, but just organizing that defensive line are huge. So if she's going to be an option for, for the grand final to be at fullback, I'd be keeping her there and let, continuing to let her find her feet and just figure out the game of rugby league, I guess. And then for the Dragons, Warriors... I think the Warriors lineup's been pretty good and the way that they've taken on their halves, I would have liked to have seen them take a little bit more control. Kira Dib, we saw a little bit of individual brilliance, uh, her just putting in a grabber for herself and kicking at the end of it. But then that other edge with Simone Smith and her licking up with a couple of the um, the Sevens girls, Ivania Polite and Elia Green, I love their attacking edge. Yeah. I just want to see, I wouldn't shift anything. I wouldn't make any positional changes there but I'd love to see them get a little bit more ball and take the line on which we saw Simone Smith do right at the end of the game when Ivania actually took on and gassed Charlotte Kaslick that's pretty footy to watch and that's really exciting so I think their attacking edge out there with Simone Smith, Ivania Polite and Elliot Green just need more ball the Dragons have a few more decisions to make they'll probably be um, you know testing their attack and making up some changes I said it before this round actually when they lost um, Shaq in 5-8 Tungai that I'd love to see Sammy Bremner wear the 5-8 jersey okay Um, she's playing she's playing at fullback and I think defensively um, and also just on the back of the high balls and bringing bring the ball back out from the back end of the field she's brilliant at fullback but the Dragons for me especially in round one, and then it, it proved again yesterday, just look most dangerous when Sammy Bremen is in and around the action that little bit more from fullback at times. You know, whether it's she's not getting the ball out the back or she's not pushing up um, enough to support play, I don't know. But all I know is whenever she has the footy in their hands, the Dragons look most dangerous. So if I was Daniel Lacey, their coach, and was looking at doing something a little bit different, what they need is to put points on. I'd be putting Sammy Bremner in at 5'8 and getting her that little bit more ball, which just makes their side to me look even more dangerous. 
Well, thank you as always. Fantastic insights. Can't wait for the, excuse me, next weekend of NRLW action, the Dragons and Warriors, uh, also the Roosters and the Broncos. Certainly can't wait for the NRL prelims as well, Raiders and Storm, um, then the, the Panthers up against the uh, the Rabbitohs. Um, Alana, thank you so much for joining us once again. Kenny, sorry, I've uh, kept you a little bit quiet there during all the NRLW. <laughs> so I, wanted to get, I, know, uh, I know my place, it's fine. <laughs> wanted to get as much of Alana's insights as I could while she's, uh, while she's with us, but um, why don't you talk us out? Uh, thanks, CK. Just want to let people uh, know that again for a full and potentially better review of week two and a look forward into week three of the um, uh, NRL finals. Check out the uh, Sportsbet Get Em On Side podcasts. Uh, lots of great info in there for everyone.